Welcome to Medically Speaking, Auburn's own medical radio show with host Dr. Mark Vaughn of the Auburn Medical Group and Larry Finney. And here we are doing a live show, Medically Speaking Radio, with our guest, Dave Norcott. Dave, say nice. Say hi to the nice people. Hello, everybody out there in Auburn. Yeah, Hope yeah. you're having a beautiful morning. And I consider this kind of the Wayne's world of the medical uh, Wayne's shows. world, yeah. Wayne's world. Yeah. And today's show will be interesting. We're going to be talking about a topic that has shown up before in the past, the, uh, the idea of shingles. We'll be getting into great detail on that a little bit later. Before we do that, though, we need to do some of the, the regular stuff. Thank our listeners and our supporters who we appreciate uh, and tell people how they can be a part of that. Okay, let's just get through the housekeeping quickly. How can they be a part of that? Do you know? Well, they can uh, log on to uh, medicallyspeakingradio.com, which they've probably already done if they're hearing us. If they're hearing us live, yeah. And on the right side of the screen, they can sign up for the email newsletter. I changed it. It used to require a first name and last name in addition to their email address. Now it just requires a first name. Just that's, Joe. That's all that's required. If you want to put down your last name and your zip code, you can. We'd appreciate it. So we're encouraging anonymity? Allowing. Okay. Allowing. <laughs> Allowing. I just want to make it easier. You know, it's so hard to sign up for these things on the internet. And yeah. It's kind of a hippie. Yeah. So we want to make it as simple as we can. But yeah, we want to make it useful too so that we can get good information to them. People who sign up do get two emails a week presently. One of them is the actual show in a form that they could play it. And that comes out Sunday after we make the show. So if they missed it, they can just play it off of the uh, email. And then the other thing they get is on Thursdays, they get an announcement about who's coming up, oftentimes with a picture of who's coming, which they did with uh, Dave Norcott this week. There we go. So now they're, yeah. they're waiting. There's also something else we might, I haven't talked to you about this. Here's an idea. And listeners, you can either call in or write in if you have some comments on this idea. What we've been doing is live shows when we can, and it's been kind of sparse here starting, but it'll, we'll pick up a little bit more as we go. And then we do these pre-recorded shows and we just post them at uh, 10 o'clock on Saturday mornings. Right. On weekends when we know we can't be here present on yeah. Saturday to do it live. What would you think of actually announcing when we do the pre-recorded shows at different times and do them live in case somebody wants to on a Monday or Thursday evening listen to the uh, show as it's live? Yeah, we could try that, I suppose. We may not get many listeners, but hey, if they want to hear it live or call in, they'd have the opportunity. Sure, depending on what time zone. Yeah. We, we wouldn't make it you know, a regular thing. Just, hey, for those of you who can, if you want to, you're welcome to. We're, we have the setup. We already have the setup down, so we might as well. Okay. All right. And as far as pre-recorded episodes, that's actually where the most of our audience is, is the uh, podcasts that are out there either through iTunes or going directly to medicallyspeakingradio.com and going through and searching for whatever the topic is. Uh, we would really appreciate it if people would give us a rating on iTunes. I think we have about 12 of them now, which is, which is good as far as podcasts go, if you look at a lot of the podcasts out there. And then they can even write reviews on it if they want. I think uh, DR did a review for well, us. They, they just, as long as they write good reviews. Yeah. Yes, that's right. We right, encourage we you. Those of you that are going to do a good review, we encourage you to yeah. do it. But the trolls, you can stay away. Trolls, um, <laughs> we're going to hunt you down. Yeah. Troll hunters. Through your email. That, that, okay. That. Does that does that cover? Oh, yeah. we're giving away something. Do you know what we're giving away, Dave? I don't know, but Doctor Nurka, I'm, I'm waiting. Okay, we are, we gave one away on uh, Mondays or not Mondays, uh, February seventh's um, hepatitis C show. We gave away breakfast for two at Tofanelli's in Grass Valley. It's a great place. Yeah, you've been there. 
We go there yeah. every holiday season. We go to shows in Nevada City, any top finales in, in Grass Valley. It's a regular for us. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So you know what I'm talking about. It, have you ever been there? I, I must say you, I haven't. yet to get up there. Okay. We gave away breakfast for two, up to $25 value, to Tom from Auburn. And he actually went and put it on Facebook. I tried to put it on our Facebook so all our listeners could see it. But uh, I think he had his privacy settings adjusted. So not everybody could see it. Well, okay, so um, if no one calls in and wins it, can I have it? We'll, we'll have to talk to the owners of Tofanelli and see if they'll go for that. Okay. Well, since I'm or save it for the next it. show. All right. Or I'll arm wrestle you for it. There you go. Oh, right, yeah, our go. guest, you know, he, he should be in the running for it too. Let's do if it. you call into the show. Here's <laughs> the thing. <laughs> Not only second. do you have to Skype into the show, but you also have to be on our email list and I'll check. So if you will... Put your name on the email list. We'll consider you eligible for the Breakfast for Two at Tofanelli's if you call in. And the way you call in is through Skype. So if you're listening to us right now live, which you have to to call in, you have us on the live page at medicallyspeakingradio.com. And on the right side of the screen, there's a little blue S over in the right sidebar. And you click on that to call us in if Skype is already installed. And then you're going to have to be careful to turn down the volume. That's the blue S for Skype. The red S is for Superman. Don't click on that one. That's another website. Because someone else will show up at your door. Yeah. The, uh, but you do have to turn down the volume on, on the uh, Mixler app. That's the little three bars over on the left side of the screen. Yeah, you know, like you listen to live radio and the, and the, the, the host is always saying, uh, caller, please turn down your radio. Well, it's that kind of thing. Or like we did with Tom. Yeah. Uh, last month so with all that taken care of um our email address is mark at medically speaking radio.com and anybody can write with questions comments uh if you want to sponsor the show please go ahead and let us know we'd be glad to talk to you about that so let's get to our topic of that was me our topic of the day herpes ophthalmicus actually i didn't promote it that i called it eye herpes (laughs) Well, most people don't know herpes ophthalmicus. No one ever refers to it as herpes ophthalmicus. So most people just refer to it as shingles of the eye, actually. Yeah. Um, a lot of people don't realize um, the devastation it can actually cause. And well, unfortunately, yeah. when they see me, they've usually been to the physician and um, um, uh, they've taken the necessary steps. But this time, they're having some eye problems that the average physician just feels more comfortable referring out to an optometrist or ophthalmologist. Optometrist, ophthalmologist. We have not yet introduced uh, or your credentials. You are an optometrist. Yes. And if you were to give a one sentence description of an optometrist or definition, what would it be? A physician who treats the anterior part of the eye, diagnoses and refers out when necessary, fits contact lenses, uh, prescriptions for glasses. Uh, we do everything pretty much but surgery. Okay. And your degree is doctor of or op- doctor of optometry. I went to UC Berkeley for that. OD. OD, correct. Okay. Not to be confused with DO. Not confused with Dr. Osteopathy. Which we have those on the show too. Correct. And and they they practice medicine for the whole body. Yes. As does a medical doctor. Uh, But optometry. I graduated from UC Berkeley School of Optometry. Yes. And you've been practicing in the Auburn area for about 20 years. Uh, 27 years. Oh my goodness. You really need to update your website. (laughs) No, we, we, we've been meaning, yes, yes, uh, thank you. We're in the works. We opened up another office, and so we are updating our website, but until we get the other office up and running, uh, there's things that we have to do legally with the state board before we update our website. We are aware okay. that our website is a few years old. Thank you. I think you said almost 20 years. You know, yeah. 
that's where I got it from. <laughs> yeah, you get busy seeing patients and those I things kind of fall through the cracks. Yeah, it happens to me too. So the um, back to the subject of? Uh, herpes zoster for the eye. Yeah. You see it. I see it. I see it. Okay. And, and one thing I, 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 I'm sure you had on the show, and I apologize if it was, if it was mentioned on the show before, is the, uh, um, the, uh, the vaccine for it as an adult. Um, I, I really want to stress the importance of that. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to probably defer to Dr. Vaughn for some of this, but uh, I see the devastation in cause, and, and I really firmly believe that uh, we could really uh, not see that as often if we really did get the, the herpes zoster vaccine more. And it seems there to be a lot of confusion out there that patients, I don't know, I've had, uh, I've had sh- uh, chicken pox in the past. I don't need it. Uh, maybe I'm not old enough. And in the, in the past, when we learned in optometry school that elderly people who were very ill tended to get herpes or shingles, but that's not true anymore. We, I see 30-year-olds, I see 35, I see 40-year-olds, people that are healthy, uh, they work out, they have good diets, so it's not, it's not like it used to be where just an elderly person would get it. It happens to people of all ages now. Yeah. I need to unconfuse myself. I did a little bit of research on this as a layperson. Now, is the, the eye herpes, the ophthalmic herpes, caused by the zoster virus or the simplex virus? The simplex is your common cold sore. Cor- correct. So we're talking about the zoster, zoster virus or a reactivated chickenpox virus as an adult. Okay. So um, I recently had to see my own primary care physician, and I was, I was asking about the, the zoster uh, uh, vaccine. vaccine. And you have to be 60, well, for the insurance company to cover it. Correct. They, they, yeah. So that's a so recommendation, right? So your thirty-year-old is probably not going to get covered by his insurance if they have insurance. Uh, without insurance, it's probably going to cost two hundred and fifty bucks. Somewhere between. I think I paid one hundred and eighty dollars about five years ago. Yeah. And I'm I'm not sixty yet. I'm fifty-six. But I, I saw just um, the the devastation it caused on patients, and I didn't want to go through that. So I paid out of pocket, and I think it it it, it is good money well spent. Because it decreases the risk of of shingles by just slightly over fifty percent, and that same sort of calculus was in my head. It was causing me to ask about getting it done. So, yeah, I want to comment on a couple of statistics. There, one is um, cutting down on this sense of, of shingles. It, it does, but it does an even better job of cutting down on the pain that comes after shingles. The so called post herpetic neuralgia, where people hurt and hurt and hurt. It's actually more like over 80-90% effective at keeping that from happening in that range. And that, that's correct. Yeah. And if you've ever known anybody that has uh, what's called post-herpetic neurology or pain, um, it, it, it can last forever. I've got some patients. I've got, a, I've got a patient who had it on the face and the eye eight years ago. He still sleeps in a lazy boy recliner because he can't sleep in a bed because the skin is so sensitive he can't lie on a pillow. Um, and it can be that devastating. And that pain can be hard to treat. Even with really good drugs that we have specific to nerve pain, we still have patients who we're having a hard time getting a handle on this uh, post-herpetic neuralgia pain. The other statistic I want to touch on was uh, when to give the vaccine. When it was first introduced, it was approved for 60 years of age and over. Then the CDC said, you can go ahead and give it. There's an indication for 50 years old and older. The reason we don't give it younger than that is because the indication isn't there yet, in our office anyway. I'm sure some people go ahead and charge you and give it to you, but we're not doing it yet because the, there just isn't enough evidence because even though we see cases in the 30s or whatever, right. just not common enough to yet be giving it to everybody 
uh, at that level. Um, so you may be able to find it at our office. We would wait till you're 50. Insurance covers a whole different thing. Correct. Uh, I know that one of the insurances we're affiliated with is Sutter Independent Physicians, the Sutter HMO. They cover it, everybody over uh, 50, I believe, uh, certainly over 60. Other insurances, hit and miss. You right. got to ask your yeah. insurance company. Yeah, yeah. There's too many insurance companies out there to know how each one deals with yeah. this. It's too confusing. Well, returning to the ophthalmic form of it, does the person, does the patient have to have full-blown um, shingles, you know, the kind that appear on the, on the skin of the body, or can it just appear in the eye? It, it will just appear, You well, it'll appear usually on the, the scalp. Uh, on, herpes always is uh, affected one side or the other, so it'll affect the scalp. It affects the eyelid or the nose then there is a high degree that it will affect the eye and the muscles of the eye itself. So there's no, um, there's no question about whether or not the patient has it. I mean, the patient will know. They right. will be aware of the, it. The patient will know, yes. Herpes is difficult to diagnose early on, and I'm sure Dr. Vaughn can talk to this. Uh, in many cases, it's kind of simmering for a few days. The patient doesn't know what it is until a, a sore or lesion shows up. They, they may have a, a fever-like symptom but usually a scab or a, a sore will show up and then they finally will get into the physician because you really do want to try to start treatment, oral treatment within the first three days of, of having uh, a diagnosis or an outbreak. So will the sores actually appear on the eye? No, well, they not on, they usually appear in the skin and the eyelid or the nose first. And that'll tell you that it's going to travel. It has a high degree of traveling to the eye itself. And when that happens, then what do we have? Well, then you have the herpes zoster ophthalmicus, and then you have a, a, a whole other issue. And that's usually when I see the patient, uh, in the eyelid or the uh, uh, eyelid or the eyes involved. And from that, it can go to uh, healing just beautifully, just with some steroid drops and the oral treatment that's usually used by myself or the physician. Sometimes it can go on and on and on, and you can get end up having glaucoma. You can have an eye turn. You can have iritis, which is an inflammation inside the eye. And these things are hard to treat and can go on for months and months and months. Sounds like no fun. So there is no true prevention um, short of maybe the vaccine. That's, that's, that's correct. Yeah. Now, how does one get this malady? Uh, do, do you get it from you know, a crowded bus or a subway station or you know, public restrooms or what? How, how does that work? I'm going to probably defer to Dr. Uh, Vaughn yeah. on this. But Depends however, on what you're doing in the public restroom. <laughs> yeah. Um, you, you carry the virus, even though you may have had it as a child or you've had the vaccine as a child, uh, I think since 19... When was the virus for children uh, for... Oh, for the vaccine? 1995? For the yeah. 1995, I think. Around, around that around time. There. Uh, but that virus will stay latent in your, in your system, in a nerve part of your system, and just it's just standing there, waiting for something to happen. And usually, like I said, I learned that when you become immunocompromised, either... You were very ill, you were elderly, you had corticosteroids for treatment of something. Uh, HIV and um, AIDS really um, had a lot of herpes outbreak because their, uh, their immune system was pretty, pretty beat up. So it's there just waiting to come out. And now it seems to be coming out on these healthy individuals. And studies have shown that they don't really know why. I haven't read anything. I've not seen anything suggesting that it's hitting younger. You, you've actually seen some suggestion that it is. Yeah, I've talked. To some, I've talked to some specialists, corneal specialists down in Sacramento, and and see if he uh, had a feeling. And he he did too. He said he's been seeing people in the 40s and the 50s, where when he's and he's been practicing for 30 plus years, that didn't used to be the case. 
And certainly in my office, I have a handful, quite a big handful of people in their 50s, 40s, and even a couple in their 30s that have had that in the last year. Yeah, I was going to ask you in your experience, how many cases have you, do you typically see and what's the demographic? Um, just like anything in healthcare, it goes in cycles. Mm-hmm. I may now have a herpes zoster patient for three or four months that enter my office, and then I'll have four in a, in a four-week period. And um, that's just the way it goes in, in healthcare. You see, you don't see anything, and then you see a, a cycle of them. So are they typically older patients or are they younger? They're typically older. Most of them are in their 70s to have it. Mm-hmm. But then I, again, I was just starting to see people younger and younger. And that's when I decided I wanted the vaccine for myself. <laughs> I don't avoid all that. Well, it, yeah, I did I want to avoid all that. <laughs> the, uh, the question I bring up, Whenever somebody talks about increasing incidence of a disease, is it that we're actually seeing increased incidence? And we'd have to look in the literature and, and see if that's there. I don't, I don't know. The other side is, do you know what I'm going to say? Well, I think it's as, as Dr. Norcott is in a position, he's at the, at the tight end of the funnel, so to speak. He's seeing only those people who are affected by it and which might give him a, a different sense of, of the frequency of this. But disease. then I would bring up the same question again. I always bring up between a specialist and primary care. They're seeing something different than we are. Yeah. Is it that we're better at catching it and bringing it to the ophthalmologist than we used to be? Oh, I see. Because we're recognizing saying. it it's earlier. Not, it's not a increase in the incidence of the disease. It's a, an increase, increase in the, in the diagnosis. I don't know. Yeah, and I, I'm not sure either. So, something to consider. I, I do want to remind our listeners that if they have questions for Dr. Norcott, they can Skype in uh, by hitting the blue S on the side. And if they're having difficulty with that for some reason, they can just go ahead and use regular Skype to medically speaking radio. There's and no if they're spaces. having if they're having difficulty seeing their screen, they really need to Skype in. <laughs> then they really need to. Yeah, if they can't see, they need to talk to the optometrist. Thank you, Doctor they, Vaughn. They, they can also <laughs> chat on. Uh, there's a chat function on the Mixler player that we use, and I can see that there's people on there. They can go ahead and direct questions and comments through that too. Well, so besides, so, so this discussion of the ophthalmic herpes brings me to the idea that um, the optometrist sees things more than just, uh, you know, uh, corrective vision. Correct. Um, we're told that it's a good idea to have an annual eye exam. And I, I always thought of that as, uh, you know, coming from the standpoint of a patient. If I'm seeing okay, if my vision is okay, you know, why do I need to do that? Because otherwise it's like going into this place for the the free oil change and then that's opportunity for them to tell you well and by the way you're, you're, you know, some of these belts and hoses are, are broken too um do you see things other than um refractive problems i mean when you look into someone's otherwise the person sees okay and you're looking into their eyes are you able to detect other diseases and, and conditions that they might otherwise be unaware of right and this is what we get a lot of our referrals from physicians to especially if they're hypertensive diabetic uh, you can catch glaucoma, obviously, through a regular eye exam, uh, diabetic retinopathy, which is a, a eye disease at the back of the eye where people have diabetes, hypertension, the same thing. We catch tumors um, quite a bit. So you can actually detect quite a bit of things. And a lot of people, are those it's kind of like having a colonoscopy. You're not having a problem, but you have yeah. a colonoscopy. And, oh, you see certain, why would you have the colonoscopy if you're not having problems? So think of it, a, a vision exam is like a, a screening and you can catch a lot of those things. If you catch it early, glaucoma, you can catch early. It's not going to lead to sight threatening things versus catching it late. And that way it's, it's too late. So even though I may have 20, 20 vision, which I, by the way, do not <laughs> sadly, um, you might discover that, 
you know, a, a pre-diabetic condition or, or Correct. whatever. Correct. Pre-diabetic. Uh, uh, sometimes people come in and I'll say, hey, there's, this, there's, a, there's a bleed in your eye and they didn't know it. Or there's a retinal tear and they don't know it. Uh, glaucoma, because it's silent, there's no pain in, in glaucoma. Those things can be caught through a regular eye exam. I regularly, uh, people with diabetes, for example, send them over to Auburn Eye Care for uh, exams annually to screen for diabetic retinopathy. Right. Dr. And then Vaughn's the, very good about that. And the people with high blood pressure, I send them over every other year for the same screen, not quite as strict as I am with the diabetes because it's not quite as much of a threat. Right. I, I realize that we have not really given a description of, of herpes zoster or shingles to our audience for them to they have know a, that they have a reference it. to know what, what it is we're talking about. Uh, there's three herpes viruses that cause common diseases in humans and simians, simians being the uh, uh, some of the apes. Is yeah. that all the apes? I and don't know. Those three my... types are what? Tall, grande, and vente. <laughs> <laughs> are you trying to get a sponsorship? No, no, I'm just <laughs> saying. <laughs> I don't think Dutch Brothers calls them. I haven't, I haven't read that in my journals. Maybe I'm a little behind on my journal reading. Well, I think, are they like... Um, bad worse than really bad <laughs> 500 calorie yeah uh there's the herpes one and herpes two and these are like cold sores and genital herpes and then there's herpes three what you never hear it called that and that's the uh zoster. varicella zoster we call it varicella when it's chicken pox you get chicken pox usually before age 10 nowadays anybody under age 10 has been vaccinated so we really don't have much chicken pox like we used to but anybody who's an adult was around chicken pox when they were a kid and mm -hmm. if they don't have a memorable clinical case chances are they still have the virus in them because it was so prevalent then that virus reactivates and we call it instead of herpes varicella we call it herpes zoster or shingles and when it comes back it comes back because it's been living in your nervous system a sleeper cell it is. It's sleeping. It's just sleeping there. And it's hanging out in a sensory nerve somewhere along the spine, next to the spine. And when it comes out, you get this rash that looks like chicken pox. Little, what we call vesicles. It's a, a clear fluid filled blister on a little red base. Oh, it sounds like fun. And these will be distributed on what we call a dermatome. So this will be like from midline to midline, from back to front, on half of the body, about a two inch tall strip around. So if it's on the trunk, it would be going around from like mid-back to upper abdomen, about two inches tall, this little band from midline to midline. If it's on a leg, it'll be going kind of in a, a funny pattern down the leg rather than across from middle to side. If it's on an arm, again, it'll be kind of going down a funny uh, strip down the arm. So is it following the pattern of the one's nerve? Of a nerve. So if you imagined a body, uh, instead of standing up with the arms down, have the arms out to the side. Like the Vitruvian man? There you go. Yes. Yeah. E except legs straight out, uh, you know, doing the splits. Uh -huh. Then you can kind of see how these lines would go. Now on the head, typically it affects a nerve called the trigeminal nerve, although it can affect any cranial nerve. But that is correct. And the trigeminal nerve is the one that gives you sensation on the front half of the head. Okay. And it has these three branches, the one that does the uh, sensation. And one of the branches goes, uh, covers the top of the head down to about the eye. Yes. The next one covers from about the eye to, oh. Mandible area. Yeah. Kind of, kind of the, the lower cheek, we'll say. Yeah. Or, or almost, almost down to the, the uh, 
line there where your jawbone is. And then the next one takes over from there. It covers the chin and, and down lower. You can get it on the eye from two of these branches, right? Correct. Number one and number two, the one that's the top of the head, the one's the mid face. So if somebody has these this painful occurrence on one side of the body, one side of the face, one side of the face, without any lesions at all, but it hurts. It's kind of a stingy, burny pain. They should come in and get checked. And I'll tell you this, I have treated shingles uh, before the rash comes out. And thankfully, mm. because if you catch it early, you have a great chance at decreasing both how long it lasts, how intense the pain is, and more importantly, decrease the chance of the pain continuing. And, and how do you treat it? We treat it with two different medicines. One of them is help to just arrest it, an antiviral, antibiotic for viruses. We have a very good set of antivirals for the herpes viruses. There's actually three major ones that are out. There's probably more than that that I don't know of. And one of them called valacyclovir or Valtrex is now available as generic. So I use it a lot. And it, you take it, uh, I'm trying to remember, it's once a day or twice a day. I'd have to look it up. But uh, twice, twice a day. day. Okay. You take it early on, on the onset of shingles greatly reduces the pain, how long it lasts, and decreases the risk of it staying. The other medicine we use is an anti-nerve pain medicine called gabapentin or Lyrica. There's two different ones you can use. The gabapentin is generic, costs a lot less. Been around a long time. Helps a lot for the pain and works for the continuing pain in a lot of patients. Not all. Not all. Yeah. Those, the, when you, I want to emphasize, if you can catch it early, it's going to really decrease yeah. how this how disease uh, plays out. And the earlier you catch it, the more comfortable, the faster the recovery, and you won't have that long-standing pain. That is, the longer-standing pain, the more difficult it is to manage. So the key with catching it early is patient awareness. What is the patient looking for if they're suspecting that they might have it? Is okay. there, is first, it first, the pain. It hurts. It's stingy. It's burny. It's on okay. one half of the so, body. So it's not poison oak. It's not itchy. It's not... Something like that. It can it's be described a, that way. Yeah. Everybody has a slightly different description because everybody's pain threshold is so different. Is it like that prickly sensation? Like when you've cut off the circulation in your arm, you've slept wrong, and then you get that when the when the blood flow is starting to go back into the limb, you get that tingly kind Some of, would describe it like that. Yeah, a tingly. Some would say it's a little different from that, exactly. Uh, and, you know, you mentioned uh, poison oak. One of the number one things that it gets confused with is poison oak. And a lot of time it's the distribution on the body that I look at. Now, if I'm seeing it right around somebody's waist on both sides, if I'm seeing it right around their ankles, if I'm seeing it right around the wrist or, or, or some combination of those things, again, not one-sided, and it's the time of year they've been out working in the yard or they have an animal that lives outside. It's probably poison I'm oak. probably poison like oak. That. Uh, they they do have a similarity because they both have the vesicles. Uh, you may have picked up on that, the little fluid-filled mm -hmm. uh, blisters. Both of them have that. Another thing that uh, differentiates it from poison oak is that the little line of vesicles with poison oak comes from something having rubbed. Like if you scraped across a branch of the poison oak, you'll so get the strip. So it looks more random. Dots. It, it's like a uh, an array and a line of them. Whereas, yeah, it's more random for the shingles. Now, I want to remind our listeners that they can Skype in to Medically Speaking Radio uh, and ask a question. And I think we'll even open it up to people who have already won. Uh, yeah, for, a, perhaps. A breakfast at Tofanelli's. Or if, if they you want suspect to you have shingles, call in, right? That's true. <laughs> That'd so be a good one. Please yeah. do go ahead and contact us if you are listening uh, and have a question for us. 
at Medically Speaking Radio. Just use your Skype and we'll be glad to take your call because we have how to call you at the show. Okay. I actually have an ophthalmologist question though. I've always, when I've sat for eye exams, you know, they put the, uh, I don't even know what they call the thing. You're looking through it and they say, well, which is clearer, this one or this one? Foropter. Okay. How do you do that exam to someone who either is unable to communicate orally, like say, uh, other than maybe they have, uh, speak a different language well, and you la- don't have a la- translator. Language barrier. Uh, yeah. Um, or uh, mental barrier. Yes. Okay. Uh, there, there's, there's two ways. One, with some of the new electronic uh, tests we have out there, we can actually, with, with computer chip, we can, we can get fairly close to the prescription based upon that. There's also, when, I, when they come into the exam room, I use a special light called a retinoscope, and I can bounce that off the back of their eye, and through the movements of that light, I can actually fairly accurately get close to their prescription. So a child, the infant, and children, that's, that's exactly. the typical one that I see every day in my office, uh, a four-year-old, a three-year-old that's just not going to either communicate with me or unwilling to, or, or an infant. Even as, as someone six weeks old, eight weeks old, I can bounce a light off there, and Babies are easy. Two-year-olds, because they, they just don't want to do things they're, sometimes. They're you squirming. Can't, you can't bribe them. They just close their eyes. They're impossible to do. But you can do six weeks. You can bounce the uh, light off their eyes, and you can actually come up to find out if they're farsighted, nearsighted, if they have astigmatism. It's fairly, optometrists are really good at that. So, so you could actually do this without them having to, to communicate with you. That's correct. You, I could even do you, Larry. Wow. Even Larry. <laughs> even Larry. Let's try it. <laughs> Do, Did do you bring one with you? Yeah, I didn't bring one on my bike ride. No, I didn't. That's why he refuses to have himself photographed, Doctor Northcott. He, oh, he no. rode, yeah, he rides in on his ten speed. He's got his um, uh, Larry breaking away ten speed. On. Ten speed is a nineteen seventy two. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> and, and, it is, and it's not a Schwinn Varsity, and it's not a Huffy. Okay, okay. what is it? Tell us what it is. It's it's, it's actually a felt made by a local manufacturer named Jim Felt who lives in town. He yeah, he's done he's done bikes for the Tour de France. I have a low-end felt, but he does um, higher-end $10,000 plus bikes. So wow. uh, he's a patient of mine, and I thought the only chance that I'd have to buy a bike from a manufacturer was here locally. So I have wow. a mountain bike that's a felt, and I have a road bike that's a felt. So how many actual speeds locally. are on there? I, I, I throw down 10 speed, but it's a road bike. But how many speeds does it actually... Uh, um, I have 24. Oh, wow. <clears throat> okay. His goes all the way to 11. Yeah. <laughs> Did you know that our... Uh, Mixler, when you turn up the volume, the, the top number is 11. It is 11, it just is. like, uh, yeah, so if our listeners are not getting loud enough volume, they reach over to these three bars on the left and turn it all the way up to 11. Right. <laughs> so, where were we? I'm sorry, I interrupted you when you were talking about... We were talking about what optometrists can do originally. Oh, uh, yeah, right. if, if, and, and uh, who are they are today. Yeah, yeah. communicating with... I, that just that, that answers my question. I was just curious about, you know, if... You know, the flipping that thing back and forth going, well, gee, uh, Doc, I'm not sure which one's clear or not. Right. So I, basically, that's just a game you guys are playing with us. Because you could say, no, Larry, this one's clearer. <laughs> this is the one you need, man. <laughs> I, I do do some anticipation, especially if there's some, but I'm, you are still more sensitive. Your, your, your subjective response is more sensitive than, say, a, a computer or my light. Okay. So when, I, when a patient's old enough and I can, if I can talk to them. That's what we're going to do because okay. that is a more accurate way of doing it. Okay, so you're not just wasting my time and making me go through this exercise. Yeah, probably yeah. not. Probably okay, not. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of patient and doctor, I guess it'd be appropriate for me, or maybe I should. Maybe I should. What do they call it when you have to make a declaration before your uh, talk that you give? Your uh, a disclaimer. Uh, disclaimer. Uh, um, so I don't have any affiliation with any yeah drug companies is, or Doctor Norcott is my optometrist. Oh, okay. And I can see you. 
very well. <laughs> and you don't wear glasses. I, I wear contact lenses that Dr. Norcott fitted me with. I didn't know you wore contacts. You didn't days. know that? Don't you remember when I used to wear uh, glasses all the time? Yeah. Yeah, now I wear contacts all the well, time. How long have you been doing that? Since I stopped wearing glasses. <laughs> no, stop. I mean, that's, okay, that's, makes perfect sense. I, I'm yeah. sorry, did you want a different answer? <laughs> yes, yeah, an actual, like, date and time. Uh, it's been within three, the last three, year. I'd no, say it'd be three years? fall of 2000. Not more than 13, isn't it? Oh, well, who yeah, knew? Yeah, fall of 2013. Okay. So mm -hmm. we're coming up on 18 months, I think. Yeah, he was wearing glasses before that. and Yeah. He's been a very good contact lens patient. He doesn't okay. sleep in them, correct, Dr. Vaughn? I did for the first time last week. Okay. And yeah, totally forgot. I mean, they're so comfortable and natural. Totally forgot they were in. Woke up the next morning, opened up my little uh, holder for them. I, I, I clean them in, and there are no contacts in it. Oh, and you I wondered, lost did, them. did I lose it? Oh no, it's in my eye. Oh, I woke up the, and I can see across the room. Yeah, the fact that you could see that was yeah. probably a, a dead <laughs> so, giveaway too, right? So, so one time, and it was it was not on purpose at all. Uh, I just they were so comfortable. I completely was not aware I was wearing contacts anymore. Yeah. Oh, the, the, mo the modern disposable contact lens is, is an incredibly comfortable thing to put on your eye. Oh, see, I'm More old tongue. school. I wear the old hard lenses, and still? I dare not fall asleep in them. And the hard lenses are still a viable option. Um, right. so you've been wearing contacts for how many years then? 30. Okay. Yeah. I still ride a 10 speed and uh, own a VCR. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure you do. Beta? Beta or VCR? It is, it's, 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 it's VCR. Beta. Oh, yeah, I upgraded to the more modern technology. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, it sits VCR. right below his 8-track. That's good. You know? His half-inch reel-to-reel. That's right. Now, you guys have spoken about uh, herpes ophthalmicus. Did you actually cover, and I'm, I'm sorry, I can't remember because I was doing engineering stuff here, what the injury is to, to the, the eye, eye from uh, Yeah, are you going to go blind or what? Shingles. Uh, the answer is it's a potential. Blindness is potentially there. I have a, a couple of people that I'm managing right now that they have this ongoing inflammation in the cornea. But again, I said a little bit earlier about the, the type of things, a dry eye, an irritated eye, light sensitivity, irritation inside the eye, glaucoma, uh, you can even develop an eye turn. I have one patient, uh, a retired physician in town, that I managed him for about nine months. He was seen double because of the herpes zoster. It did go away, but it took about nine months to repair itself. So there's a lot of different things that can happen inside the eye, and each person is different. Well, and seeing double is not a good idea for a physician. I mean, is that like a career ender? Well, he was retired already, so. Oh, okay. <laughs> but but he still doesn't, uh, I'll tell you what, he doesn't drive. Oh. He doesn't feel comfortable driving to this yeah. day. So a career ender as far as driving goes. Well, it's clear to me wow. that this is a condition to be avoided altogether if you can. Yes. Yeah. And that goes back to our, probably the, the topic when we first started is um, the, the vaccine. So the calculus is, hey, do I want to run out, pay, say, a couple hundred bucks and get this Yeah, this it's vaccine? a couple hundred bucks. Now, yeah. how long is the vaccine good for? I understand it's good for life. That's what I understand, but then I have read some things that they, they know it's good for at least eight years. I don't know if there's enough yeah, I don't information have out there. To counter that at yeah. all. Yeah. Um, so we, again, we have it available in our office to our patients, age 50 and older. Uh, you may be able to find somebody to give it to you if, if you're younger than that, although I'm not giving a strong push for it uh, until I see better evidence on the incidents. Yeah, I, I recently had a conversation with someone about this, and I guess with... Um, Oh, your your Walgreens and various pharmacies that give this um, yeah they do vaccine yes. too. It may be covered under you know for the older patients the Medicare Part D because it's a medication as Correct. opposed to a, a quote treatment and therefore 
less expensive that way. That's an alternative. That's right. There is a difference in the insurance relationships. Yes. We are not contract with Medicare Part D, just Part B. So we can give you your new pneumonia vaccine that just came out, the Prevnar. We can give other vaccines, but because the, for whatever reason, the, the um, shingles vaccine is not covered under Part B, it's Part D, you can get it at the pharmacies. Right. So we'll give it to those insurances that pay for it, the Sutter ones. Uh, we'll give it to the people who want to pay cash for it because their insurance doesn't cover it at all. But if their insurance covers it under Part D, hey, head to the pharmacy. Yeah. And the, uh, all pharmacists in the last two, three, three years now give shots for vaccines. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of them. In fact, we're, we're actually losing a lot of our flu shots. So I, I wish the people who have insurance cover it would just get it here in the office rather than going to, to the uh, pharmacy. But I guess it's more convenient sometimes. Yeah. Conveniences. And, and then, good. you know, to summarize, we said the vaccine. And then the other one would be early treatment early treatment the earlier the treatment like dr vaughn alluded to earlier uh you then can prevent some of those nasty things the the long-term pain um the what's called the the post-herpatic neuralgia that can go on for months if not years uh, by early treatment so when you have those symptoms um uh, any part of the body that uh, the the pain and it's related to one side and you know it's not related to say that you're working out in the burn pile and you're pretty sure right. it's not related to a poison oak type of thing uh, then you should see your physician as soon as possible. Even if there's no rash, that stingy, burning sensation, a lot of times we catch it before the rash, earlier the better. If you see something coming out on the skin in addition to that, get in. Yeah. So, so let's uh, take a different scenario. I have it, I get it early treated, we beat it back. Am I out of the woods now? Can, I, can this thing come back on me? Do I still need a vaccine or have I developed an immunity or a, a resistance to it by now? There is no indication, official indication, meaning they haven't tested it and said, yes, use it for this purpose. There is no indication for giving the vaccine after a person has ever had shingles. And, and so we're not giving it for that purpose yet. It may be useful. We're waiting on the indication because they're waiting on the studies to show. One of the reasons we don't have that data is because there's just not enough reactivations of shingles to be able to test it on to get that data because it's rare to get it a second time. Okay, so if if I'm one of those people who I get lucky enough to see you, you get you beat it back early, maybe maybe we're all good. We don't have to sweat. Chances are you are. Chances yes. agree. Yeah, yeah, it's rare for it to come a second time. Do we talk about the numbers at all as far as how common shingles is and how many cases there are? There's a half million yeah, every year. Uh, that if you live to age 85, there's a 50% chance that you are going to have shingles. And, and your uh, percentage increases once you hit, and I think that's why the CDC... Percentage increases? 60 years of age. That's why there's that's a cutoff correct. age. And uh, if you get shingles above age 50, you're more likely to have the pain stay. Yeesh. So at age 50, it's about a 50% chance that the pain stays. Uh, it, it may go away after a few months, may not ever go away. And if you're age 70, the chances increase to 70% that the pain's going to stay. Uh, and when and it you goes say up from stay, there. it means like, like... We don't know how long. For the rest of your... Maybe weeks, maybe months, may never go away. A longer duration than yeah. just, say, 10 days. Um, yeah, the uh, usual. The usual. The, the rash. Correct. Yeah. yeah, usually it goes away with the rash. But once you get older, not so much. And then as far as actually getting, you know, we said 50% if you make it to 85 uh, taking all comers, including people who don't live to 85, it's around one in four to one, one in five people who will get shingles. So very common. So that's a, yeah, that's a, that's a very high percentage for disease. I mean, extremely yeah. high. Okay. And we'll go ahead and wrap it up here. 
unless you have anything else to add, Doctor. Yeah, any, any good uh, optometry uh, anecdotes? You know, I mean, he's <laughs> laughed. The funniest thing that ever happened to you as a uh, as an optometrist or whatever. Um, I don't have any good anecdotes. I mean, I, I mean, they happen every day in our office. I, I mean, I when, know, when you deal when you deal with the public, something enlightening or lighthearted happens every day i don't remember well, yeah, I, mean, there's... But I mean if you were pretending this is an optometrist cocktail party or something we're just sitting oh, here yeah. talking, the guy starts uh, swapping stories uh, oh i got one for you all right well, one now. that i thought my staff was amusing last week i was dealing with a woman who's 94 years old and um she was getting out of the chair and she used my my arm my shoulder and arm to to help her up Yes, and, and so she gave it a couple of squeezes and says, "Oh, you have a you have a nice arm." <laughs> and as she's walking out of the office, she said, "And I know because I've been around a lot." Oh, gee. <laughs> and and my what? staff, I, my 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 female staff, just she thought that was rather amusing. So we got a wow. good kick out of that one. I want to be an optometrist. <laughs> yeah, so ninety-four yeah. year old women can come on to me. I yeah. Well, I think well, I think we'll halt that conversation right there. <laughs> well, with that, <laughs> thank you, Dave Norcott, Dr. Norcott, for joining us on the show. We hope to have you again in the future. All right, Dr. Vaughn, I, I appreciate being here. Um, uh, I, I really enjoy this type of format. Yeah. Okay. Anything else for our listeners before we go? That's it. I'm getting the Toffinelli's uh, breakfast. Toffinelli. Well, maybe we'll give it away next time. No, All remember, right. there's an arm wrestling competition. Oh, here. that's right. Sorry, between the two of you. Yeah. Or we could make it like a, a trifecta kind of thing, oh, right? oh, where oh, it okay. just builds up. And next week it'll be two breakfasts. You know, it just it just builds up. We'll see what we can arrange. Yeah. Thank you for joining us on Medically Speaking Radio. You can always contact us through medicallyspeakingradio.com. You can write to Mark at medicallyspeakingradio.com. You can leave th- comments on our Facebook page, which is Medically Speaking Radio, and uh, you can Skype during the show. Uh, you can even try to Skype after. I don't know if we'll be answering it or not. And we thank you for listening. Until next time. Stay in good health.